Hi, everyone, and welcome to Ask the Horse Live. I'm your host, Haley Kerstetter, digital editor at thehorse.com. Maintaining your horse's joint health is important at all stages of their lives, but what happens, what special considerations should be made during their senior years? Tonight, we will discuss what you need to know to keep your senior horse's joints healthy and how you can keep them sound in the long term. This event is sponsored by American Regen Animal Health. To answer your questions, we're joined by two expert panelists, Dr. Luke Bass from Colorado State University and Dr. Helen Mansfield of American Regent. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. Thanks for having Dr. me, Haley. Thanks for joining me. Dr. Bass, can you tell us a little bit about your background? Uh, you bet. Uh, thank, uh, thanks again for having me tonight. This is a it's a fun topic. I really enjoy the older horses and and helping clients keep them as comfortable as we can. Um, I'm a 2007 graduate of Colorado State University. I spent five years in uh, private practice in Central California um, at Pioneer Equine Hospital, and then I came back uh, to CSU and I've been here for the last 10 years uh, working with Equine Field Service. So. My job is working with clients in the area, um, as well as educating students um, on anything from equine joint health to dentistry to vaccinations to emergency care. So super happy to be here tonight and looking forward to, to getting started. Awesome. And Dr. Mansfield, can you tell us a little bit about your background and your role at American Regent? Well, I was born and raised in Charleston, South Carolina, where I was involved in my local pony club, hunter jumper shows, as well as eventing. I decided I was going to be an econ event when I was 14 after seeing my horse's colic surgery. Then I went and did my undergraduate at University of Georgia and then went to Tuskegee University School of Veterinary Medicine and graduated in 2009. Uh, after vet school, I completed two internships, one in general medicine and surgery and one in advanced reproduction. For almost 15 years, I was in equine private practice all over the East Coast, working on every type of horse from backyard pleasure horses to Amish work horses to Olympic level show horses. I even spent a few months working on sport horses in Germany. Along my travels, I became certified in equine acupuncture and veterinary medical manipulation or chiropractic. Three months ago, I started working as a technical services veterinarian for American Region Animal Health. Here I provide education for veterinarians nationwide and work on speaker programs as well, there, as well as other modes of educating practitioners and future practitioners. Awesome, thank you. And before we begin answering questions, I just want to remind everyone listening of our Ask the Horse Live format. We're starting with questions that were submitted during registration. If you're listening live and would like to submit a question, please do so via the chat window. We'll do our best to get to as many of your questions as possible. If you're listening to the podcast recording of this event and would like to join us live in the future, please visit thehorse.com slash askthehorselive to register for notifications. And with that, we're gonna jump into our questions. So Dr. Bass, you can start us off. Um, Teresa in Georgia would like to know, at what age is a horse considered to be a senior? Uh, that's a great uh, that's a great place to start. So I think, my opinion would be anything, uh, any horse above the age of 18 um, would be considered senior in my book. Yeah, I, I think um, we are definitely doing a great job as as the equine industry, uh, treating horses, supporting them into their 30s. And I saw a horse last week in Utah that was 39. So horses are definitely living longer due to our advances in health and nutrition. And so I, I would say something 
18 to 20 plus would be a senior horse in my book. Awesome, thank you. Dr. Mansfield, Chelsea in Australia wants to know what arthritis and degenerative joint disease are and what does this diagnosis mean for horse owners? So the terms osteoarthritis and degenerative joint disease are often used interchangeably. Osteoarthritis or OA can refer to the de deterioration of a joint or joints that is characterized by a progressive loss of cartilage. It has been has said that 60% of lamenesses in horses are related to some form of OA. Usually with the help of your veterinarian, the severity of your OA can be determined by your lameness exams, nerve or joint blocks, and diagnostic imaging such as radiographs and ultrasounds. Management of OA often involves a multimodal approach and it can include things like modification of your horse's activity level, special attention to body weight and condition, appropriate hoof care, and medical therapy. Unfortunately, there's no one size fits all when it comes to soundness. Yeah, absolutely. Dr. Bass, Kathleen in Virginia would like advice on how to deal with pain in stoic horses who might not always show it. I really enjoy this question because, you know, our 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 horses are such individuals. And so it's really hard to treat them the same. I really enjoy getting to know a horse when I go up to it and look for a soundness exam. I, I like to put my hands to their nose and just let them kind of smell me and figure out what I'm all about. But I think the physical exam, the, the getting the hands on the horse is so important, whether that be palpating the suspensory ligament or trying to figure out how, how comfortable or how uncomfortable they are in the sacroiliac region. So. I like to start with a really good physical exam. Um, I've been been taught that by several more mature veterinarians, and and you gain a lot from that. Whether it be range of motion in certain joints, or trying to figure out the muscles that attach to certain places. So using our anatomy too is really important. But I think that that sort of continues into our soundness exam and our our flexions of different joints. So. It's more than just dealing with a horse that's stoic. It's what what can we use to sort of put the puzzle pieces together to to really figure out what they're telling us without telling us. And that that is sort of the beauty of our job as trainers and veterinarians and owners alike is to put our heads together and work work towards what's really going on with this horse and how is it impacting its soundness. Dr. Mansfield, Denise in Vermont wants to know if there are any feed-through supplements with scientific data supporting them. So supplements are a tricky one. Uh, back in 2017, they actually did a survey of horse owners in the U.S. and 84% reported giving supplements to at least one horse. So there are a lot of supplements out there. But the scientific data out there is kind of all over the place when it comes to supplements. And often the supplements come up lacking in the studies. Some lab testing has revealed that many products fell short of their labeled amounts. The problem is that supplements are not typically regulated by the FDA unless they become unsafe or the companies are making drug-like claims. Unlike FDA-approved medications, supplements do not go through safety and efficacy trials. So when you're looking into supplements, it's important to ask yourself, are the label claims based on research and not just testimonials? Look at the number of horses in the studies and the percentage of positive outcomes. And when it comes to choosing a supplement, it's best to stick with some of the well-known reputable brands, and there should always be a contact number and physical address on the packaging. 
That's really good advice. Dr. Bass, uh, Kylie in Florida asks what intraarticular injection options are available for horses with arthritis and when they might be indicated. This is a really good question because this uh, this topic has expanded a lot in the last 10 years. Historically, many, many horses were treated with steroids and hyaluronic acid. That's sort of the only option, but now we've sort of branched out into more biologics. And what I mean by biologics is taking the horse's blood and upregulating different proteins and different inflammatory factors to help. So things like Prostride, PRP, IRAP, stem cells, Alpha-2M, all these products have sort of hit the market over the last 15 years. And we're learning better how to treat the horses based off what they have. So that may be different for a horse that has cartilage damage in the coffin joint compared to a patellar ligament injury in the stifle. But we are uh, just just sort of scratching the surface on what intraarticular uh, you know medications can be used to help these these older horses um, with joint disease. And it's it's really cool because some of these horses have PPID or Cushing's or other other issues that really steroids don't do well for. So I think it's exciting. I think we're getting a lot of options, but I think the fun part is trying to figure out what works best for each horse and using using what tool out of our toolbox to help that individual um, horse be successful. Dr. Mansfield, Doreen in Maryland wants to know if therapeutics such as massage, chiropractic, stretching, et cetera, can help reduce her horse's joint pain. So that's a really great question and a subject near and dear to my heart. Uh, in addition to a lot of the Western-based advances we've found in equine medicine, complementary treatments like acupuncture and chiropractic have really become increasingly more recognized as an effective and valuable part of the multimodal therapy for the equine athlete to treat a lot of our musculoskeletal conditions. Acupuncture can be used in adjunctive therapy in conditions such as muscle soreness, back pain, OA, laminitis, the list goes on and on and on. Acupuncture helps to decrease pain and inflammation in the body. With veterinary medical manipulation or chiropractic adjustment, the goal is to restore optimal range of motion, which in turn also decreases inflammation. It is important to note that integrative medicine will not replace our traditional medicine, but can work well when incorporated into your long-term plan with your veterinarian for the optimal care of your horse. Dr. Bass, Mary in Iowa asks if there are any supplements that she can add to her horse's diet to help combat degenerative suspensory ligament disease or DSLD. That's a question I get quite often actually, and that's a disease that I really don't like. Um, degenerative suspensory ligament disease is one that is super frustrating. I, When I see these horses, I don't know that I recommend supplements per se. I'm more of a physical therapy um, guy when it comes to DSLD. So I recently had a horse that had a, had a an upper suspensory or proximal suspensory injury that also had DSLD. And so we did a lot of, of strengthening with, with uh, balance pads. We did some, some tail pulls to help strengthen up the stifle. We got that horse stronger. We also worked on his back quite a bit as well. And he did, he did super well. And so if I have a horse that has DSLD, I, I don't know that I look at supplements more than I look at physical therapy and working with 
your veterinarian or, or maybe the rehab specialist that to really help get the horse stronger. But don't forget about the feet as well, making sure that the, the, the angles are balanced, making sure there's, there's plenty of support underneath the horse as well. So I think I would maybe redirect to the, towards against supplements and maybe more towards strengthening, helping the horse get more fit. And I've, I've had some decent luck with that approach. Dr. Mansfield, Maria in Florida says that her horse struggles with arthritis in his sacroiliac or SI region and wants to know how she can address this. The SI is a difficult region because it's not your typical hinge joint like your knee or other ball and socket joints that allow motion. I would recommend some regular ultrasounds to see what the region looks like and how the disease is progressing. And ultrasound guide injections when advised by your veterinarian as well as alternative therapies like chiropractic and acupuncture. But what's also essential is to work with your veterinarian on exercises specific for your horse to help strengthen this region. And I have one more question for you, Dr. Mansfield, from our live audience. Um, Mary is curious about whether mules with age-related arthritis get treated the same way as horses. Our good friends mules should are still part of the equine species and they should also be treated accordingly although we all know they can be a little more stubborn than our horse friends very true uh dr bass tammy in england asks if it is advisable to give her horse joint supplements or medications as a preventative measure before she sees clinical signs of joint pain i think it's a really good question and i think it's um it's one that i get often uh, to me, this is where joint supplements are at their finest. When we talk about joint supplements, it ranges from anything to the oral medication to intra-articular medication. And so I think doing it on a preventative measure really helps slow down the disease process. And those are called disease-modifying agents. And so whether it be injectable products or oral products, I think they work the best as a preventative measure. I think once we have arthritis, once we see changes in the joints on, on radiographs or maybe even ultrasound, we're sort of behind. And so if we can get ahead of that process, I think our outcome is a whole lot better. And I think our horses are just so much more comfortable. Dr. Mansfield, Anastasia in Kentucky wants to know if icing her senior horse's legs after each ride could help reduce joint pain. So ice can be a great way of decreasing inflammation. It not only reduces the inflammation, but it provides relief from pain and improved circulation. But it also depends again on your horse's levels of OA and you know, recommended treatments from your veterinarian. Dr. Bass, Terry in Iowa says that her horse has his hocks injected twice a year and asks if there's a limit to the number of times you can inject your horse and maintain its efficacy. Yeah, it's a it's one that we deal with common. Um, unfortunately, the hocks are the tarsi are are joints that are commonly uh, inflamed and commonly develop arthritis due to really anatomy and and function. And so, it's like it's it's by far the most common joint that I will medicate in a horse. And so, as far as frequency of those, because that's the the, the question. I don't think that every six months is too much, depending on the function of the horse. 
What I worry about is if someone's asking me to inject their hocks every three to four months. When when that is presented to me, I, I want to look with x-rays. I want to look with ultrasound at other areas around the hocks. That proximal suspensory ligament is millimeters away from the hock joints. And so I really want to do a lameness exam, do some blocking, and figure out exactly what's going on. I, I don't think twice a year is too much, but I think if if the horse is not responding to routine injections, we need to investigate a little bit more and figure out exactly what's going on. And then be able to reach into our toolbox and, and get something that is going to help the horse. Uh, the last thing we want to do is just continue to inject, 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 and not be the real problem. And that unfortunately is, is the situation sometimes. So I would say a, a really good diagnosis, blocking and some imaging, is going to be the way to go uh, to help that horse the best you can help it. Dr. Mansfield, Irina in Alberta asks how she can prevent re-injury in her senior horse with a history of joint injury. So that really depends on the joint injury itself. Um, as they age, horses definitely benefit from longer warm-up and cool-down periods as well as making sure not to over overly fatigue your horse. For example, like going on a three hour trail ride after your horse has been staying in the pasture for a month. Also make sure your horse is at his optimal weight and body condition, and then formulate a plan with your veterinarian based on that specific type of injury, whether that be special strengthening exercises or things in particular to avoid. Dr. Bass, Robert in Florida wants to know if keeping his senior horse on pasture 24-7 can help reduce joint pain, and is stalling your horse for more than a few hours per day detrimental? Um, I, am, I am with Robert on this. I'm hoping he's wanting to keep his senior horse on pasture 24-7. I think we, we got to treat these guys just like humans. I think the older they get, the more activity they need to keep their strength. And so... I'm a huge proponent of keeping senior horses on pasture 24-7 to help reduce joint pain. And I'm going to assume Robert has a nice green pasture in Florida because here in Colorado right now, we don't. Um, so I would be a huge proponent of keeping the horse out and keeping it moving around. I definitely don't think stalling your horse for more than a few hours is a detriment. Um, I think if you want to have the horse out moving around during the day and then bring it in at night, that would be just fine. But the more motion, the more strength, the more muscle we can keep on horses, I think the more the joints are supported. And so I would I would definitely give Robert the green light to, to leave the horse out as much as possible. But then some horses really like stalls. So it, it also plays into what is the horse like to do and what is it gonna be the happiest doing? Dr. Mansfield, Kim in Alaska wants to know how effective are oral joint supplements such as Cosequin compared to injectables like Adequan? So I would say, you know, Adequan, we've got science and data behind our products for over 30 years now. I mean, we have all the research and safety studies, toxicity studies, efficacy studies, it is proven to enter your joint two hours after the IM injection. Your joint fluid doubles in 48 hours, and our response rate is exceptional. The Cosequin studies aren't quite as positive as the Adequan studies, 
And I always felt that I got more bang, and this is before I worked for American Region, I got more bang for my buck out of doing a round of Adequan than having a horse on post one. I have another question for you, Dr. Mansfield, from Elizabeth in Maryland, who would like to know how she should manage her senior horse with navicular disease. So navicular disease is also another tricky one and because it has so many stages of disease. You need to do regular veterinary workups and radiographs so you can see how the disease is progressing. But working with your veterinarian on a treatment plan, it's going to include things like corrective shoeing, NSAIDs or non-steroidal inflammatory drugs, injections or even biphosphonate drugs are many things that you can work out in a plan with your veterinarian. Dr. Bass, Roxanne in Massachusetts says that her arthritic horse's right hock is fusing. She wants to know if you can explain why this happens and what can be done to slow its progression. Uh, so back to the hawk, I think it's a it's a common joint, so it's it's frequently uh, visited. The first part of the question says, it, can you explain why this happens? I, again, going back to anatomy and going back to the use of the horse, the hock seems to be one of those joints that can can get lots of wear and tear and can get lots of uh, trauma to the joint just from 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 what they do. And so a lot of times horses will will lay down extra bone to help protect itself when there's injury, when there's stress. Uh, the body will say, hey, we need to lay more bone down to, to make this more comfortable for ourselves. And so it's it's common for some older horses. And when I say older, you know, greater than 12 to 14 will actually start to fuse certain joints based off of the change of, of the horse to the function. I don't know necessarily that I would try to slow it down. I would almost think the opposite and try to speed it up so you decrease the pain. And so what we can do as veterinarians is, you know, we can medicate those joints to help help the symptoms of the problem. But when that doesn't work anymore, we can actually go in chemically or, or surgically and fuse the joint. And I, I like to do that because it helps the horse. It takes the pain away from the problem. Um, and and you, can, you can help that individual much more by fusing it than you can by maybe slowing it down. Dr. Mansfield, Davina in Texas says that her mare has arthritis in her neck and is on feed through joint supplements and Equiox. She wants to know what else she can do to help keep her mare comfortable. So personally, I've had some good luck with shockwave and acupuncture in treating problems in the neck. Also, it's important to you're identifying which particular locations or facet joints are involved in the neck, which is usually done by radiographs or ultrasounds, then discuss with your veterinarian if injections of the affected joints is an option that the horse would benefit from. Dr. Bass, Jessica in New Jersey wants to know how EMS and PPID affect older horses' joints and if there are ways to help preserve their joints as they age. That's a that's a rather big question there. So I will um, I will say that horses that have EMS or equine metabolic syndrome or PPID, which is Cushing's, these horses struggle, I think, with their joints. And the, the EMS, I, I will maybe change that term a little bit to insulin dysregulation, which is very similar to a type 2 diabetes. 
that is a younger horse that is more overweight. The PPID are older horses that that have weight loss and and maybe frequent urination, frequent uh, drinking. And so the these horses, I think, sort of downstream, their joints suffer because of that. Now, I think as the horse ages, we we sort of maybe decrease the activity of that horse. But I think horses with EMS and PPID, if they're comfortable enough, they need to keep working. Um, and so that that's the goal of mine is to keep these horses in work, to keep them moving, A, to maybe help with weight control, but B, to help the horse be strong enough to support its joints. One, one other comment to make on this topic is we are starting a project at, at Colorado State University. We're, we're looking at the impact of, of biomarkers. So little tiny cytokines in manure and joint fluid and blood and how we can use those biomarkers to test for osteoarthritis in horses. We're also looking at the impact of obesity on that too. So just today I drew some joint fluid from a horse that I was injecting its coffin joint and we took some, some manure or feces and blood and submitted it to my colleague, Dr. Lynn Pezenite here at CSU. And we're trying to correlate, can we take a blood sample or take a joint fluid sample before they get osteoarthritis and be able to predict it? So I'm super, super excited about the research. I think it has some really valid um, results coming, but I think that's something coming in the future that maybe we could help predict osteoarthritis before it happens. That is really exciting research. Um, and I have another question for you, Dr. Bass. Uh, Jackie in Alberta asks if loosening up the horse um, by warming them up well before your ride helps with synovial fluid um, and can that affect horses with arthritis? Oh, that's an interesting one. Um, warming a horse up, will that help with synovial fluid? I I always, when I do a lameness exam, I always find that the horses are a bit more stiff and a bit more um, decreased range of motion cold versus kind of warmed up. So I like to almost warm up the horses before I do lameness exams on them to really get the blood flowing and, and get things moving. I, I think warming up horses is really, really a critical uh, thing. And I would almost add that stretching and doing some core exercises before and after riding is a really good idea as well. Um, and so I think warming up horses is really good for them. Um, I think, you know, growing up in the Western world, not just going left all the time, but actually warming them up in both directions, I think can be helpful. So I think that's critical. I think stretching can be critical. I think range of motion can be critical. It's very similar to where if we want to go for a run, we just don't take take out from the garage and go for a run. We do some stretches beforehand. So I think it's also important to to maintain that for our horses for for optimal joint health as they get older. Dr. Mansfield, Sarah from our live audience has a 17-year-old off-the-track thoroughbred that she's had on joint supplements, specifically glucosamine, MSM for almost the decade that she's had him. She also has him on a top dressed product with HA. Is it worth introducing Adequan to stay ahead of any arthritis signs that might be coming soon? Or is it too late to start a regimen like this? Would you recommend it? So it's never too late to treat any kind of joint disease. Um, I mean, obviously the earlier the better. And like I said, the studies have gone back and forth on the absorption 
of glucosamine and chondroitin and HA and all those other supplements out there, they I don't feel like they do any harm and they can definitely help with some decreasing some inflammation, but the studies are so back and forth on it. The plus side to Adequan is you know what you're getting. It can only help because of all those proven results in 30 plus years of helping horses with joint disease and helping actually restore joint cartilage while it's still there. Dr. Bass, Janice, who's also from our live audience, has an obese 19-year-old horse and is curious about how much impact occurs on the joints with extra weight. You know, that's a that's a um, question I just got from our second year vet students a couple of weeks ago when I was lecturing on preventative medicine. I think extra weight on joints can be hard. I, I think we have to think about horses walk around on one finger um, and extra weight can be difficult, but the hardest part is probably getting the weight off the horse. A lot of these horses who are overweight are also lame or sore. And so I think it's it's a struggle. It's a big, big struggle how we we make a very efficient buddy of ours lose weight. And so I think weight loss in horses is really, really difficult, but it's something we can talk about more later if we have time. But um, I think it can play an impact, especially when we talk about arthritis in the coffin joint or the pastern or the fetlock, those joints down closer to the closer to the ground with not much muscle around them. So I think it's a huge thing to think about, and um, it's a big issue, especially during the wintertime when we're not doing as much with our horses. We may have blankets on them. They put on an extra 50, 75 pounds here or there. It can be really hard to deal with. Dr. Mansfield, Brian in Ontario asks if feed-through joint supplements can have any adverse effects on the GI tract. Well, the horse's GI tract can be a very sensitive thing, as we all well know. Uh, when giving any sort of supplement, I would express to say it's important to monitor your horse for any changes in behavior, water intake, food intake, fecal output, etc. Most horses tolerate supplements pretty well, but you should always monitor your horse when making any changes to their diets. Dr. Bass, Pamela in California wants to know if IA injections make sense for a horse that has not been sound for several years due to arthritis. I talk to this um, kind of kind of categories with the students and clients alike. When we talk about different medications for arthritis, I think intraarticular medications, so sticking a needle right into the joint, that is the problem, is the biggest return for your investment. Um, you know, whether it be steroids and HA or one of the newer biologic products, I think I would I would make sure and have the diagnosis first. I would make sure that the joint itself is the problem and then work with your veterinarian to figure out what's the best product to use. Um, but I think intraarticular injections are, are the best. When they say not been sound for several years, uh, I was taught by one of my mentors that when they've been lame for several years, you can't do a simple injection and make them sound the next day. It may take more more work, uh, whether that be financially or with physical therapy. So don't expect it to be a one and done type of thing when they've been lame for, for quite some time. 
Another question for you, Dr. Bass from Sukasa from our live audience. She says she's prescribing ferrocoxib instead of phenylbutazone because pain control for chronic arthritis is long-term. What are your thoughts on this? Um, it's, it's an interesting question. And I say that because I graduated vet school 16 years ago when ferrocoxib was just coming out. And so I wish I had a, a, a whiteboard to draw on because I love whiteboards. Um, or pencil and paper. And so if we think about how they work, butte inhibits the good and the bad um, molecule called COX. So it's COX-1 and COX-2. Equiox or Prevacox or Firocoxib just inhibits the, the bad. And so if we think about that, it, it, it works quite well, but it doesn't work as good as butte for pain. Um, we also think about Equiox as being incredibly safe on their GI system and their kidneys and their colon. But that's not always the case in every single individual. So anytime we give them a, a pain control, then there's always side effects. And so I would work with my vet to figure out, is it working? Is it enough? Or is there something else we can do like intraarticular injections? Or maybe we need to go on phenobutazone for a period of time to get that pain under control. Or is there more physical therapy and, and really elbow grease we can put in the horse? Do I need to be doing some core exercises to help? Do I need to be lunging my horse more to get it stronger? Do I need to be using Cavalettis when I ride to really ask the horse to use its quads more? So I, I don't know that one Equiox is going to fix everything, but I would definitely try a more of a multimodal approach of medication and physical therapy and some core exercises. And, and I think you'll get better results when you invest a bit more to it. Dr. Mansfield, Lynn from our live audience wonders if you've had any experience treating coffin joint arthritis in horses, and if so, what treatments have you found to be most effective? So coffin joints for me were probably the second most uh, problem area that I dealt with besides hawks and majority of time you'd start out with like just like Dr. Bassett Alou talked about earlier is getting the diagnosis first make sure that's your problem area and then I agree with them too that their IA injections can be greatly beneficial to say when you know your problem area so I'd usually start with some IA injections see where we go from there it depends on the level of arthritis too because a corrective shoeing is going to play a difference Training methods are going to make a difference. It's all something you need to work with your vet and your trainer and your farrier, and it's a group effort. Dr. Bass, Chelsea from our live audience says that she has a friend with a horse that has ring bone. Can you explain what ring bone is and how it might affect the horse's soundness? So that's a nice question. Um, ring bone can kind of be one of two things. So low ring bone is basic arthritis in the coffin joint. Um, high ring bone is arthritis in the pastern joint. If we think about how they move, the coffin joint's a higher motion joint, so it, it bothers the horse more. The pastern joint is a lower motion joint, so they can have high ring bone and have a pretty decent prognosis. But when they get to low ring bone and it being in the coffin joint, that, that becomes a bit more difficult to treat. Uh, we just heard really nicely how to, how to kind of navigate the coffin joint. But 
it can be difficult. And so I've had horses with high ring bone that we do a simple injection, put the horse on some Equiox or Butte, and they do fine. And others that need a surgical arthrodesis because the arthritis is basically given the middle finger to any therapy that I, I throw at it. So they can be difficult. I, I wouldn't forget podiatry. I wouldn't forget the blacksmith or the farrier's um, job in the, the ring bone. I think we that's a situation to work together with a farrier to really make sure that we have the correct angles to make sure we have really good breakover and that that horse's mechanics and how they move is is very important. So it's not only just the vet throwing needles in the feet, but it's also working with the farrier to get just the right balance of everything to help that horse. Dr. Mansfield, Cindy from our live audience is asking, at what frequency do you recommend giving Adequan? Loading dose of two times a year versus one time per month maintenance dose. So the way Adequan is labeled is you do the loading dose, which is one dose every four days for seven doses. And so this is where it gets tricky. So you do your series and you see how your horse does. Every horse is going to be a little bit different. I have plenty of horses that I do once a year and they do great. I have some horses that benefit from it twice a year, but it's most beneficial as you do the series, you speak with your veterinarian, you assess how the horse is doing and discuss with them when to repeat the series. The once a month is not really necessary. So you just really repeat the series as needed, but every horse is going to be a little different on their needs and it depends on their stages of OA and a lot of different factors. Dr. Mansfield, can I ask you a question on that? Sure. So when when do you recommend people putting Adequan in the joint versus just in the muscle? Because I think it's kind of nice to talk about the multifunctional use of that product. And how, how do you know when to go in the joint? So we don't actually manufacture the intraarticular Adequan anymore. And the thing is, is our studies, we had we performed a study where we compared the IA Adequan directly with the intramuscular injection of Adequan, and they performed exactly the same. So it's a lot easier for people to go IM with, with it than IA. And so that's why we prefer the IM route because they don't even manufacture the IA product anymore. Donetta, thank you very much. Absolutely. Dr. Bass, Irina from our live audience is curious whether biologic injections can be used as preventative care for joints. For sure. I think um, I have a client who um, I just saw yesterday, actually, that has a couple of ponies that go from, they go to Thermal in the winter, they go to Spruce Meadows in the summer, I think they go to Michigan in the late summer. And so we're we're taking these horses, we're doing twice a year, maybe three times a year, soundness exams on them. Um, and if anything flexes positive, if anything has some extra joint effusion, but we've done some x-rays, we know that it's not an injury per se, but the horse's joints are just sort of stressed from their everyday work, whether that be jumping um, into Macula or whether that mean, you know, barrel racing at the pink buckle. I think horses' joints are commonly stressed, and they just need some support from an anti-inflammatory method. And so it's a nice it's a nice way to help support the joints without just sticking steroids in there every two months. So the downside of these biologics are they're a bit more expensive, but I think they 
they give us a nice uh, a nice way to treat the horses without maybe causing uh, secondary side effects to cartilage or the synovial membrane of the of the joint. Dr. Mansfield, Kathy in Florida asks how she can tell when her 27-year-old arthritic senior horse should be tired from riding. So this is a really great question. Um, every horse is a little different, just like people. And you know your horse better than we do. So they're usually going to start to give you some signs when things become too much for them, like starting to back off when riding, becoming fatigued, or even behavior changes. So you've got to be on the lookout for even these minor signs and adjust accordingly. There have been studies that show that horses with a job or in work can actually live longer, but just like us, keeping them fit and in good body condition leads to better joint health. But good planning, careful monitoring, and tailoring a specific management program for your horse helps keep them working longer and healthier overall. So, I mean, you just have to listen to the signs your horse is giving you because you know them better than we do. Dr. Bass, Diane in Ohio asks if you have any recommendations or precautions regarding the long-term use of Equiox. Is that safe for her horse? I think probably 90% of horses do very well on it. Um, again, we talked a little bit about the way it works versus Butte. I, I've done some research here at CSU looking at um, at an injectable gastroguard product. And so we had horses that were on Equiox and they did indeed have some stomach ulcers. Not all of them, but I, I guess the point that I'm trying to make is it can still cause some side effects. They are less than phenobutazone, arbanamine, but some horses can have some side effects. So things to look for you know, for signs of gastric ulcers or maybe colonic ulcers, maybe a change in appetite, change in manure consistency, um, change in behavior would be where I would start. I think a lot of people talk about, oh, let's check some blood work once a year if we're going to be giving Equiox long term. I don't disagree with that. Unfortunately, I don't, I don't do that as much as maybe other people do. But I think it's just in the back of our minds, we should think about is the Equiox the best thing we can use long-term or should we be adding anything to it um, instead of maybe calling your veterinarian once a year for a, re a, a prescription of Equiox, maybe just make an investment in a soundness exam and make sure that things haven't gotten worse and things haven't changed to where you may can do other therapies for that horse that could help it better than just simply leaving it on the medication because that's what's been working in the past. And I have another question for you, Dr. Bass. Um, that's from Catherine in our live audience, who is curious about what types of imaging you use to diagnose and monitor arthritis in a horse. I just had this question today, actually. We were looking at a horse that was not necessarily lame, but a little weak in the stifles just due to inactivity. We were talking about two options. And one option is, do we just start x-raying and see what we find? Or do we put the horse under maybe just go to the gym and do some leg work and, and help it out. We, we ultimately decided on the latter. When we talk about diagnostics, I, I think it's important to, to localize the lameness first. So if you, if you know where your horse is lame at and you have some x-rays or ultrasound, that's great. But if you don't, make sure your veterinarian blocks the horse or tries to localize it because 
just because there's some maybe mild ring bone in the right front leg, that may not be the cause of the lameness. That may just be what that horse has and is sort of dealing with. So I think it's nice to get localization of the problem first. And then I think most equine practitioners, whether it be ambulatory or hospital, has access to a digital radiograph unit these days. We're, we are so fortunate in the access to the equipment. And then from there, that, that really tells us about the bones. But then a lot of people can do ultrasound okay. I would really search out a person who's a specialist in ultrasound to give you a really good answer. Because I think it takes a special eye and it takes someone who does it all the time to look at soft tissues either within a joint or beside a joint. Once you get past that, then then your pocketbook doesn't like it when we talk about nuclear scintigraphy or CT or MRI. But I think at least on the farm or in the clinic to start with, radiology and ultrasound is the place to start. Dr. Mansfield, Connie from our live audience is curious about what the safest injectable is for a PPID horse with hock arthritis. So your horses with PPID or Cushinoid guys, they do tend to be a little more prone to problems like laminitis than our regular horses. And so we try to, I personally try to avoid, avoid doing steroids in those guys. So I would tend to lean more towards our orthobiologics that Dr. Bass has told us about because you have less risk of having your steroid-induced laminitis events, which your PBID guys are much more prone to getting. Dr. Bass, June in Ireland wants to know if feeding a collagen supplement can help her 21-year-old hunting horse who is quite fit stay more comfortable in his work. Well, I. I think this is a, a pretty um, pretty cool question. When we talk about collagen, I I know of a product that is made called Flexadin, F-L-E-X-A-D-I-N. And that product has one small study that I think showed some positive results. It, it's an interesting one because that company then came to, to, to CSU here in Colorado and asked us to test this product on horses with hock arthritis. I apologize, we haven't done the project yet, but we're hoping, we have, we have the horses identified. We're hoping to complete the project in the summer of 24 to get that information. So I definitely think it's not going to hurt your horse. Again, you may not see a huge result because I think it's more of a disease modifying agent, but I think you're helping the horse inside its joint. So I would probably say, go for it you may not see a change in the lameness but just realize you're not you're probably not hurting your horse and you may be benefiting it long term dr mansfield newton in utah asks if it's best to wait until your horse shows clinical signs of arthritis to start a feed through joint supplement or if he should start feeding them to his horse before this happens so there's really no supplement or medication out there that's going to prevent your horse from getting joint disease. I mean, it happens to all of us. But you always want to be proactive versus retroactive. Having your veterinarian perform your an annual performance exam, things like jogging, flexions, lunging, palpation, et cetera, will best help you assess the needs of the individual horse because they are going to change as the horse ages. So if your horse is doing great, sometimes I don't believe in adding in a supplement where it's not needed. 
But if your veterinarian finds something small in these performance exams, then you can address things early rather than being behind the eight ball. And, oh, sorry, were you, does that answer that? Sure, and I was also going to ask you uh, for Linda in Florida, if it's too late to start a horse who is 25 year old, five years old with arthritis on joint supplements. So it's never too late to start treatment. Similarly to how I answered our previous question, I think it's important to have your vet perform a performance or layman's exam to see where your horse is in the development of his or her OA. I mean, it depends on how many joints we have involved, what's involved, if it actually is arthritis, and then formulate a plan with your veterinarian, whether that be supplements or injections or other sorts of medications to keep your horse happy. Dr. Bass, Simone in Ontario asks if it's best to treat horses with joint injections rather than oral medications. Her horse has gut issues and she's worried about the long-term effects of these medications on him. So I think the question was, is it is it better to treat with intraarticular medications versus oral joint supplements? Uh, I would say 1,000%. If you have a diagnosis of the problem coming from a specific joint, then yes, I would agree. Putting medication directly into that joint would be awesome. I, I think the one other thing that we have not discussed tonight, which is important to discuss, is if it if it per se is the knee or the hock or the fetlock that she's having trouble with, adding a topical non-steroidal like Surpass, um, the human product is called Volterin. So you can go to Walgreens or CVS or any of your local pharmacies in, in, the, in the U.S. anyway and pick up a medication that's a topical bute or topical banamine, and that may also help. Um, in addition to oral joint, I mean, in, sorry, in addition to intraarticular joint supplements or joint medication. So I'm always a fan of putting the medication inside the joint if possible. That is not because I want to make more money. That is because that's where it helps your horse. And I've been doing this long enough to where I, 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 can, I can say that honestly. Um, but there, there is a, um, you know, there is a topical non-steroidal product that we can use. And the reason I'm mentioning that is if you have a horse with gut issues, I think that's a nice product to use because it's very localized. It's not systemic. So instead of going with an Equiox or a Butte daily, you could do a rub-on topical um, that would help. But I would probably use that in conjunction with an intraarticular medication, meaning in the joint. Dr. Mansfield, Debbie in California says that she exercises her horse daily, but his joints still stock up. How can she prevent this? So the equine lymphatic system is responsible for pumping these excess fluids back into the circulatory system. So stocking up is just swelling caused by the accumulation of these fluids in the limbs. It usually occurs after a horse stands still for extended periods of time. Some horses will always have a better lymphatic system than others. I've known many horses in my career that will spend a single night in a stall and the next day their legs look like stovepipes. So even though you're riding regularly, he could be standing around enough for the stocking up to occur. So the more he's able to move, the less stocking up you should see. It's a relatively harmless condition, but the, if the stocking up isn't going down with movement, you should consult your veterinarian for further diagnostics. Dr. Bass, Gabriel in British Columbia asks what horse owners can do for their horse's joints when these animals are younger to best prepare them for their senior years. 
to me, this starts with the pre-purchase. You know, when you're looking to buy a horse, I think confirmation is critical. I think looking at the feet is critical. I think looking at the the balance of the horse, whether we're talking about the neck, the back, and the croup, all these things sort of play into how things are going to go later in life. But back to the question of what joint supplements or how, I, I think it's really nice, again, to to provide disease-modifying agents. Um, those can be either injectable, like Adequan, Legend, or Pentasan, or maybe something oral. We have a couple of products that have some research behind it um, that I actually think work and from a from a preventative standpoint. I think when we have arthritis that shows up on x-rays and you have a horse that's lame, you're sort of behind in, in how those products work. Um, so I would think it's just a combination of confirmation. It's a combination of function. And then what what medications do we have that we can help prevent? But that doesn't always eliminate. That may minimize, but that doesn't eliminate arthritis from happening. Dr. Mansfield, Richard in Washington wants to know if there are any wraps, boots, or bandages that can be used to help support older horses' joints during exercise. So that kind of depends on what you're doing with your horse and what sort of terrain your horse is on, whether you're doing work in an arena with good footing or out on uneven trails. So your basic polo wraps and splint roots, I found they give you a little bit of light support, helping with things like abrasions from interfering or if your horse, you know, has a leg on something. Some of the sports medicine boots give a little more support in your fetlocks and tendons than most boots, but that's probably about the highest level of support you're going to get from an equine riding boot. Dr. Bass, Sabine in Switzerland says that her 22-year-old horse with arthritis prefers to trot on hard surfaces rather than soft footing. Is this common, and is there a reason for this? That's a that's one that I'm struggling with. Um, likes to trot on hard surfaces more than soft. I guess he knows something that maybe we don't. Um, I don't know that there's a a uh, an injury, you know, concern there. I think I would let the horse maybe trot where it wants to. Um, but I don't know that I have a reason of why it wants to trot on a hard surface versus a soft surface. I would say that, you know, in in this area of the Western US, we worry about horses with bruising or thin soles, but maybe in Ireland with the ground being a bit more soft, that's not that much of a concern. So I'm not, I'm not really concerned about um, if the horse wants to trot on hard versus soft. I guess I would let him or her figure out what's more comfortable and go with that. Dr. Dr. Mansfield, do you, do you have anything to add to that? Just just to, to kind of wrap up that, that question? I mean, it depends on how soft the footing is. I wonder if it's a resistance thing that they find you know, kind of like going through, walking through a sandy beach versus a hard surface is much more difficult and the horse he finds it easier. Maybe maybe he has a pretty smart horse. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Dr. Mansfield, this one's for you from Jennifer in New Jersey, who says that her arthritic horse has obvious stiffness in both knees. The mare is retired from riding, but Jennifer wants to know how she can tell if her horse is no longer pasture sound. So it's important to get regular assessments by your veterinarian to determine your horse's comfort level. 
Because as your OA progresses, it's going to need different forms of treatment. There's no cookbook for treating OA, and each horse is going to need a different treatment plan. Monitoring your horse's daily comfort level and discussing with your veterinarian during your annual exams is going to help keep your horse comfortable and happy as possible. Dr. Bass from Gina in Florida, who wants to know if there's any rehabilitation program considerations to make when you're rehabbing a senior horse from a joint injury. Um, I, I think if you have a horse that has maybe a restrictive joint uh, motion, I may not put too much stress on it. I think probably what I see most commonly with senior horses that have injury is the amount of muscle is not there compared to younger horses. Um, so when I say muscle, I say top line, neck muscle, glutes over the top line, I mean, over the, the hind end and hamstring. So really trying to focus more on muscle development. And I think that can be from exercise. That can also be from some amino acid supplements. I know Purina makes a product called Super Sport that I've used uh, to help help boost the amino acids and help build protein. And so I would I would say maintaining muscle function is going to be really important to those horses. I think vitamin E is always a good choice when trying to maintain optimal muscle function. And so that would be my goal for a senior horse that has. Uh, an injury is just to try to keep the support and the strength as much as you can as they go through that rehab process. Dr. Mansfield, Kathy from our live audience would like to ask what you think about amikacin in a joint injection. So this has been a, is a tricky topic over the years, and some of the studies have shown that basically it doesn't matter if you put amikacin in or not, that you have your chance of infection is just the same. It's more about the procedure, the scrubbing, the sterility. I personally, I was a little bit of a sissy. I always put amicacin in all my joint injections. I don't know how Dr. Best, what he does, but I would, that's, so that's how I was in practice. Uh, no, it's a great, it's a great question. And one that uh, maybe I can just add a little different perspective. I, I was trained not to use amicacin but focused more on the scrub. I, I think one, one uh, study that we've had out of CSU by Dr. Len Pezenite showed, maybe three or four years ago, showed that some concentrations of amicacin can actually have deleterious effects on the cartilage. And so I think it's a, it's a veterinarian by veterinarian preference. I will say if I have a horse that I'm injecting the navicular bursa, the coffin joint, I may use amicacin just because it's closer to the ground. I also wrap those just to keep it as clean as we can afterwards. But I know a lot of excellent veterinarians who use amicacin and have no trouble, um, and also a lot that don't and have no trouble. And so I think it's a it's a preference by that veterinarian for sure. Agreed. Thank you. And that's actually all the time that we have for tonight. I want to thank both of you for joining us. This was a great conversation. Thanks for having Thank you. me. It, it's been uh, it's been great hearing Dr. Mansfield's uh, responses. It's it's always nice to get various perspectives on some common questions. Um, I appreciate the horse and in, in inviting me as well. So thanks very much. 
And I want to thank American Regent Animal Health for sponsoring this event. And finally, thank you to our audience for listening and sending in all of these questions. If you're listening to us after the live event as a podcast episode, please rate, review, subscribe, and recommend Ask the Horse Live to a friend. Until next time, from everyone at the horse, have a great night.